Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Conversations from the Diaspora, a Building Africa's Future podcast. And as usual, I'm your host, your sister, and your friend, Nkiru. And today I'm joined by a lovely friend of mine. Her name is Mercy Akingwande. And she will be uh, sharing in her pregnancy journey um, to help reduce stigma and encourage others. And I will um, let you all know, we do have some trigger words just um, for the listeners to be aware of. Um, we'll be talking about baby loss and other related topics. So um, as March was Women's Month and um, April, we have uh, Black Maternal Health Week and this month being Mental Health Awareness Month, I thought this would be a very great time to talk about these types of issues. So sis, um, thank you so much for joining us. If you would just say a brief um, hello to our listeners. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you, sis. So um, pretty much how this started, you know, when you made your post uh, last year, I was, you know, super encouraged by it because we don't see that, as you know, in our community, we don't openly talk about, you know, some of the challenges that we have. So to see you, you know, be free and, and sharing in such a, you know, a personal issue, um, you know, I was really inspired by it. I'm pretty sure everyone else who saw the post was also encouraged um, and I'm sure they probably sent you some messages as well. So sis, if you don't mind, if you can just kind of tell the listeners a little bit more about your journey and, you know, why you felt it was important for you to share at that time. Um, I think the big thing about um, my journey and I think when I finally was like, okay, this this is coming to fruition. I was like, I I want people to be okay, to not think that anything is wrong with them. Um, I think the big part of my story um, as a Christian was, you know, there's something that's always talked about, purity, you know, sexual purity, mm -hmm. preserving yourself for marriage, all this stuff. And then I get into marriage and I'm like, it didn't matter that I got married a virgin. It didn't matter any of that stuff. That had nothing to do with fertility for me. Right. And to kind of break the stigma of just because um, you feel like you sort of do all the right things and check the right boxes at that point in time doesn't mean that things are gonna necessarily work out perfect. And, you know, even though you can trust and believe God for one thing or the other, one thing I was taught is that in life, it literally, you have to, you know, faith and perseverance are one of the big things that help to guide and to govern your mental health. Because loss, I think, is, I, you know, talking to many people, they were like, oh, I, we, we went through one and I don't know how we did it. And I, I was like, exactly. And a lot of people, um, the statistics I think are higher now, but it used to be that one in four women will go through or have gone through a miscarriage in their lifetime. Hmm. But a lot of people don't talk about it, especially in the African community. Oh, yeah. um, it's only when it becomes public news that you hear people come out of the woodworks and they'll say, oh yeah, I did have a loss. Um, I had somebody come visit me and they were like, oh, she's like, nobody really knew in the church it was hard for her to talk about she actually mm. lost a tube she had an ectopic pregnancy and ended up losing a tube in order to save her life wow. and people don't talk and she's like nobody around really knew she didn't feel comfortable this is something you have to go to the hospital for you know mm. it's a whole procedure 
it's it's a life-saving procedure. It's, it's not something to, you know, play or joke around with. Right. Nobody around knew. And for me, I'm like, breaking the stigma, it really, mental health-wise, people need to know that, number one, they're not alone. Um, Marriage-wise, I talked to somebody after I shared my story, and she's like, oh, it broke up her marriage. Hmm. Um, so women have to realize that, you know, Doing everything right doesn't make it a perfect path, or doing everything you feel is right at the time doesn't make it a perfect path, and doesn't mean every all the all your ducks in a row, everything is going to align the way you want it to. It doesn't work like that, but there is hope. Right. <laughs> and that was right. the whole point of me sharing it was that no matter how long or you persevere, there is hope in the whole struggle. Yes, yeah, so I mean, thank you so much for saying that. Um, you know, just to kind of give some more context, because I know. You know, obviously I'm aware because I saw the post, but if you could just kind of go into a little bit more detail for those who would be listening. Okay. Um, so I guess the first detail is we were, at the time that my son was born, we'd been married for uh, almost seven years. We were in year seven, completing year seven. And mm. that's when our son Caleb was born and, um, at that point in time, Caleb would have been our pregnancy number 11. Mm. And it was a series of series of different stuff. I had had a stillbirth about around the time of our first anniversary was the time that I had a stillbirth. About a week or two before our first year anniversary, I had a stillbirth, about five months pregnant. Um, and they said at the time it was an incompetent cervix. It was so much more than that, uh -huh. hmm. but you know, fast forward six years later is when Caleb finally came. So there's a bunch yeah. between then and um, it was hard. It was gruesome. It did take a big toll on my marriage and relationship. Hmm. And eventually it ended up bringing us together, but right. it did take a toll on everything. Uh, so it just, to sum it up, <laughs> to sum it up, to give you space for more questions, um, <laughs> that's that's the pretty um, cliff note version of it all. Right, right. So, I mean, you brought up a very important point where, you know, obviously from in the, being from the African community, these are things that obviously people, women go through, um, families go through, but there's typically not a space to have these kind of open conversations even sometimes, you know, from our own mothers, our own um, aunts, you know, we don't, we don't even really have, the, like growing up, these are not conversations we ever had really, um, you know, and of course I'm not making any assumptions um, like of your relationship with your parents, but like, you know, speaking from my own experience, and I know, you know, many people um, that kind of grew up like we did, we didn't really talk about these types of things growing up. Um, if we, you know, we probably thought our parents just never had any issues with, you know, children or anything like that, because, you know, obviously, you know, after marriage, everyone is always like, oh, nine months later, let's, you know, <laughs> like after that first year, it's kind of like, hmm, you know, what are you guys waiting on? I'm sure, um, did you have a lot of that pressure kind of within, you know, your church community or family, like after the first year? I mean, I know, you know, obviously you guys were pregnant within that first year, but like, after you know everything did you have like mounting pressures from you know both sides of your families like what were some conversations like within this within the family Whew, this this is this is going to be a little longer story so um 
And this just kind of, you know, when we first, I think, so I'll say this, when I think people's stories don't really come out until a loss happens. So with my mom, I didn't realize that she had a loss until after I had my stillbirth. Mind you, the stillbirth was my second second pregnancy at that point. Um, the first one was like a blighted ovum. You know, I went in like at five weeks and they were like, oh, we see the sack, but there's nothing there. And so I miscarried. And then a few months later, um, around Thanksgiving after my wedding was when we got pregnant or we found out we were pregnant again and things were rocky from that point. And then March 15th, when we lost the pregnancy, then I actually had a family member call me and, you know, this was their attempt to console me. And they were like, well, was it that you sinned against God or was that was it that you just weren't close enough to God? Oh, or wow. was it that you, when you prayed, like how come your prayer didn't come true to save this kid? That was, I think a day after I had my stillbirth that I had a family member call and give me that spiel. My gosh. I was like, excuse my language, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, are you have got to be kidding me? Like, of all the things, and that that broke me even more because I was like, people are just so insensitive. And right. the, the place they were in their life, they were on an emotion or a, a religious journey of like everything that I pray for comes true. And I think up until that point, everything that I had prayed for it had come true until that specific time. Hmm. And so that was like a huge test of faith. Like, are you are you? A Christian because God does everything you want, or you're a Christian because of the the sacrifice on Calvary and the love of God. So that was like that. Imagine, imagine having that conversation with a family member, mm. and then you know my mom talking about it. But then like, as much as she had gone through it, she had faith, and she's like, God's gonna do it. So every time I talked to her, it was more like God's gonna do it. My dad was, you know, like, well, what did the doctor say? And I was like. I'm not telling my business, mind you, <laughs> because, you know, like, and I'm like, everything at this point, I'm like, everybody knows that I've, I've had a stillbirth. Nobody knows necessarily the, the struggles that I was going through. Cause when I was pregnant, I really didn't tell anybody because mm-hmm. at nine weeks of that pregnancy, I was already on bed rest for like three weeks. I had to take off work. I was bleeding so much, came back from work. 14 weeks, I was bleeding again, had to take off bed rest. So by the time I got to 20 weeks and we went in and everything was fine. And then the next, it was like a week before or something, everything was fine. And then I was working and I started to feel cramps. And you know, sometimes God sends us angels and we just ignore it. I Mm -hmm. had this one quote like, go home, go to the doctor and I will cover you. Like Mm -hmm. I will work and cover your patients. I worked in the emergency room at the time. He's like, go to the doctor. And I'm like, no, I've already taken off. And like, this was a guilty me. Like, yeah. I'm taking off so much for this pregnancy. Everybody thinks I'm a liability. I'm gonna stay. Mind you, I was already in labor and didn't know it. Oh. So I finished up my shift, 12 hour shift. This started, this started out in the morning. I finished up the 12 hour shift at 7 p.m. I had called them around 2 p.m. and I didn't know what cramps, I, I didn't know what like um, 
contractions felt like. To me, it mm-hmm. felt like a bladder spasm. Like I was like, maybe I have a UTI, I don't know. It was, it was weird. So all of that, I was kind of feeling guilty. And you know, this whole month of mental health, never right. feel guilty for putting your health first. That is yeah. another thing that exactly. situation taught me. Um, so yeah, I was in, so I finished up my shift, went home and I was in really bad cramps. I called the doctor, the on-call doctor, nobody called. So I waited till morning. By the time I was in the morning for that, they were like, oh, sorry, you're already dilated. Your cervix is open, the bag um, is coming down. So you are going to have to deliver and there's nothing we can do. And I had the worst doctor ever. And she was pretty much like, I'm going to put it to you straight. You're going to lose this baby. So I'd say to go, go to the, go to the hospital and do this. She didn't try anything. She was just like, nah, no, whatever no. Comes, comes out. Another, like, I, 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 this journey taught a lot of lessons. Number right. one, your doctor and their empathy or their ability to, to be there for you. Will your doctor answer the phone if you're ever in need of anything during your pregnancy? Those are all things that, as a very naive, I had never really dealt with any of that. It was a very quick, rude awakening. Mm. And I matured mentally very quickly in that period. So like family-wise, my dad would ask stuff. And the doctor at that time was like, well, nothing's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with your husband. And so, but I just kept, I stopped. Like there was a time I just stopped answering my dad's phone calls. Like I was like, he'll call, I'll call him back whenever, which rarely happened. (laughs) Um, My mom, I stopped answering her calls as much too, because she was all like, every time she'd want to talk about it. Yeah. calling a lot of family members because I felt like a lot of them would be waiting to hear some kind of news that I just couldn't give. Yeah, yeah. So it, I just became, I used to be someone that called everybody all the time and I was always so chipper. And mm. I literally withdrew from everyone family-wise um, mm. because you can't fake around family and I just couldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it just took too much energy. So I was like, I'll stay away. And so that um, was really, you know, like the dynamic of things. And I don't think even till like um, Caleb's baby dedication, nobody knew how many pregnancies I'd had until the day we gave our testimony to church. Hmm. That, yeah. Because I was like, if I have to explain to each and every person. Right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like each and every time it just got, you know, like at that point, it became kind of redundant. I had a friend actually in that time, and this was about a year before I got pregnant with Caleb. And she's like, well, she was like, well, sis, you know, I just wanted to give you this advice because it, you know, I don't like the way the conversation was like, it seems like you've been having trouble getting pregnant. So I wanted to see if you looked into surrogacy um, since it seems like your body can't do it or whatever, Hmm. um, or your body's, you know, having issues, you know. And, And I told her point blank, like, look, you had fertility issues. Did you do surrogacy? And she's like, no. And I said, no, neither am I. I'm not going to do surrogacy either. And I'm going to wait for God's timing. But like at that point, I just shut it down. Like I was like, yeah, we're, how about we just not have this conversation anymore if this is the kind of advice you're going to give me? And it wasn't anything personal to her because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't know these options are available. Mm-hmm. It was genuinely like, do you know, like, you know, IVF, doctors had told us that we couldn't do IVF. When you've had that many miscarriages, IVF is not the issue because you you are implanting, you are getting fertilized. It's right. just you're not holding it. So spending $11,000 per cycle for an IVF cycle that it's not that it's, I mean, like he, the doctor pretty much told me, he's like, 
you're getting pregnant. People do that to get pregnant for IVF, but you are right. getting your body is just for some reason rejecting it, so it'll be wasted money. Like it was already one of those things where he was like, "Don't like I don't, I wouldn't recommend it because it's not going to change anything at this point. If you can't figure out why your body yeah. doing, you know." So, yeah, family dynamic-wise, it, it 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 took a toll. I kind of became a little more distant um, hmm. between family members or I just didn't talk about it and they just yeah. got you know like they got the hint don't ask about it it's none of your business right you right I'm uh, I'm at this point where I'm about to I can clap back at any and everybody at this like I was just tired right <laughs> right and so people just knew like don't bring it up <laughs> <laughs> so it's like there's something that you just said and I know like you mentioned this in your post as well like again like our community we just have this terrible habit of hiding everything like anything that's potentially good news or bad news whatever like we don't want to announce it we don't want to say anything about it because of this fear of oh you know if i announce this it's you know something bad's going to happen um did you ever feel that way you know you know with your pregnancy um, prior to now i just me and my husband are just pretty private people and that was the reason um Mm. I had been accused at that time that I post too much. Even now, actually, even now, I'm accused that I put too much on WhatsApp. People are like, I put too much on WhatsApp. And I'm like, well, if you don't want to see it, just let me know and I can block you. That way you don't have to see it. Right. You know, it bothers you that much. Um, But, you know, um, so in that light, I'm like, because he was like, oh, you put too much on Facebook. And so I was trying to be a little more private, you know. Mm and not put all my business out on the internet, you yeah. know? Um, because that first pregnant, like that, it was a second pregnancy, technically. It, like I was I was good, everybody knew I was pregnant, you know, like I was talking to people about it. It was one of those things where I was just, you know, like I don't like the culture of, oh, because you're pregnant, you know, everybody could be your enemy or anybody could be your enemy. Where does and that I come from? Like, I really wonder where that comes from. I've been superstition for so long. Um, that there, there's so much evil in the world mm-hmm. that you want to, you know, hide the good stuff so it doesn't get taken away or stuff like that. And I, I honestly feel like if we were more open and loving to one another, then there would be a lot of things that would be, um, we could easily be of help to one another if only we would yeah. just open up our mouth and talk about it. You know, my right. husband also used to say, he said, "Pregnancy is a yam. It's like um, it's like a yam ready for harvest. When it's time, you don't have to announce it. It just shows up. Right. So he's like, you don't have to announce that you're pregnant. People will see you pregnant and know you're pregnant mm-hmm. when time comes. And that's right. how he feels about pregnancies themselves. So that was just one of the things I was like, okay, I respect his wish on that because I'm like, mm-hmm. people will see me pregnant. It's not like I'm hiding. I'm not going out to places for nobody to know that I'm pregnant or anything like that." <laughs> but for Caleb I was more cautious because when I when I had the stillbirth in 2016 I was a very popular person in my hospital and I think it was more like a PTSD thing I knew everybody from the trash can person to the person on every floor I knew people in radiology I knew people like everywhere 
And, you know, everybody has a different shift or they haven't seen you in forever, but they seen you pregnant at one point at the hospital. So it was like three months out and I'm still explaining to people how I wasn't pregnant anymore and how I'd lost the baby. And I felt like it was like traumatizing to rehash it over and over again to new people because they, I mean, I knew a lot of people that didn't know other people. Like I wasn't talked about, but I talked to a lot of people. So when it came to it, like I had to keep explaining over and over again. They're like, oh, how's the baby doing? And I'm like, oh, I saw you, I lost it. And like, they just, they had no clue and they'd feel bad and all that. But I'm like, I have to explain this like three months, four months out when I mm. thought, oh, maybe I'm getting over it. And it's like a ripped off a bandaid. So mm. with Caleb, the pregnancy, I didn't announce it more so because I'm like, if anything happens, this is a lot more people I have to explain to. And mm. I don't want that again. Right, right. Cause that was that, I think that's what made it harder. I was like, dude, loss after loss after loss. I'm tired of explaining to people over and over again, trying to keep a straight and stoic face, Yeah, you know, tears, holding back tears as I try to continue my day and try not to worry, you know, like go through stuff. And I was like, I'm, I'm honestly, like I was, I was mentally exhausted. So I was like, you know yeah. what? With Caleb, you know, I'm just not going to do a whole big thing. Just, just cause it, it's just, I was like, if anything happens, it's going to be, it's going to break me all over again. And I was like, I don't have time for that, you know? And I don't need anybody's negative words. Right. To put any kind of, you know, um, any doubt or take away what will, little willpower I have left. Right. To have hope that this is going to work out this time. <laughs> right. So, I mean, based on what you said, I can definitely imagine that you felt alone more times than you know none with everything that was happening you know going on did you have like at least a network like maybe online or I don't know if you were able to find some people to connect with um, so I had a god sister she had um she she had had a stillbirth before and she'd had miscarriages in the past so there's a time where I talked to her and I was talking to her about it um and I had another friend who was kind of going through her fertility um, journey as well. So we were on it and then she had her kid and then, but she would still, you know, send me stuff like, oh, I see this works or I see that works and all that stuff. Um, and so I did have people to talk to, it wasn't a lot. And there were just some days where I just needed like me time. Like I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I just didn't feel up to it. I just wanted to kind of sit and cry a little bit work through my emotions before I can come out and be able to piece together what the heck is going on in my head. Um, but I did have a couple people to talk to, but it was just like, I tried not to, cause you know, I have a thing where I just, I was like, I don't want to be a bother. So it wasn't like an all the time thing, but once in a while I check in or they check in on me and see how mm. I was doing. And then I'd say, Hey, I'm doing great. Or I'm yeah, you know, it's one of those days or right. um, cause I tell people, I was like, for every year of my pregnancy, I mean, every year of my, of my, um, like, since I'd been married, I'd been mm -hmm. pregnant at least once or twice that year. Yeah. So having to go through all of that was just like, sometimes I might just be in the middle of a miscarriage, you know? Right, right. <laughs> I'm just not about talking about it. I'm just like defeated all over again, you know? So. I know, yeah. I know.
Bad Family. I hope you're enjoying the conversation thus far. Please stay tuned for part two of this episode. See you soon.